0: Get 60% off at babble.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Listen! What is up, Super Ninfrendos? We are back. It's episode 584 of Nintendo Voice Chat. I am Seth Macy. Returning this week to the froggy chair, we have Zach Ryan. Welcome, Zach. I'm back and everything is different. Wait, what what just happened? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's a special Halloween episode. I had to do it for you guys.
1: I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, Nice to be back. Thanks for having me.
0: Welcome back. Glad to have you. Also with us, uh, as always, well, as most always, is Pear Schneider. It says, if you if never left, Zach. Just making the show and everything, yeah. I know, I'm right? derailing it right out of the gate. Uh-huh. <laughs> and of course, what episode of NBC would be complete without industry legend, Cat Bailey?
2: What up, Minfriandos? We are going to start this week's show with a little bit of
0: housekeeping about last week's show, where the premise of the show was, what is the deal with Nintendo not supporting Animal Crossing? What, what is the deal with that? Oh. Well... Nintendo actually reached out to us about that op-ed and said, oh, no, that's the last. Oh, I should point out. And a lot of people on Twitter also pointed out that's the last major free update. So there's still going to be updates coming along. So for everyone who tweeted us out or tweeted out to us to like clear that up, thank you very much. It's much appreciated. So that's it for housekeeping. Let's get right into the meat of it. The Nintendo 64. We're back here talking about that old chestnut again 25 years since that bad boy came out and guess what we have it on <laughs> nintendo switch online and everybody hates it well sort of, okay, that's yeah. we sort of, we sort of <laughs> do that's not true i did i did actually put a, a poll on the on the nvc twitter and hmm. most people who did buy it are okay with it some love it most like it some of them have uh, no hard hmm. feelings one way or another And a small amount of people actually are filled with <laughs> Regret. Sorry, you actually can't cancel it as far as I know. So, there,
2: <laughs> no yeah. refunds here.
0: No, I, I found that out because I was trying to cancel my family plan and go to the single. But anyway, who cares about that? Yep. Uh, yeah, people aren't happy about the N64 emulation. Apparently, according to uh, Oatmeal Dome on Twitter, this is mm-hmm. the same emulator that's used in Super Mario 3D All Stars, codenamed Hovercraft. These are deep dives into the into the system yeah, yeah. here. Mm-hmm. It uses, I mean, well, this we all knew, but it uses JIT Direct to emulate the N64 CPU. Obviously, like I don't even know why I'm reading that. But um, Vulkan is the graphics API, and ROM files are zlib compressed N64. Oh man, I do love me some zlib compression. Anyone want to want to speak to Zach? What do you think about Zach Lib compressed files? <laughs> it's
1: kind of compression. To this be is honest. the best kind, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Well. All all that
3: translates to an emulator that works fairly way well with certain games. Like I could not tell the difference between Dr. Mario 64, my Switch, and my N64 version, mm. a be- beloved family multiplayer game. But a pretty marked difference between Mario 64 running on hardware and the CRT and Ocarina of Time versus the Switch version, which yeah, it's um if you hadn't played those games in a long time and you didn't have a comparison you might not immediately notice but something feels a little off like they feel sluggish you can feel that there's input lag and then there're definitely differences in the visual quality because this emulator seems to for whatever reason struggle with some of the alpha channel like fog effects that uh, N64 developers used a lot you know they not here in the footage you've seen for Star Fox but like in Zelda they use fog for an effect to create this haze in the Kokiri forest or um you know in the uh, especially in the scene where you meet um you know your your dark half um they use uh they use fogging and alpha channels to make a really kind of cool eerie scene and in the switch version everything's visible and so mm. it just doesn't look as good like it's just yeah. it it misses it's losing that kind of
0: Misty look and it it loses a lot of atmosphere. I think. Yeah. Well, you know, it's rarer than the alpha channel. That's the sigma channel. It's oh my god, god.
3: you're the you're just horrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but the tra- the transparency effect. So you know, using using layers um, to create this kind of sense of depth and that something is hazy and right. in the background. So if you're playing the game on Switch, go into the first starting area and look at the distance. Like the you see the um, the deco deco trees in the background. And in the N64 version, it's kind of like hidden in the haze, and you're not quite sure what it is. And in the Switch version, it's like that's eh, a deco tree, right? So it's just that, a little subtle difference. It doesn't mean that the game is broken, but it it just it it's not exactly the same, which is what you want out of emulation,
0: right? Right. Yeah. Cat, have you noticed anything uh, janky with your time with the N64 emulation?
2: Depends on the game, really. I tried Mario 64 and. Boy, it really did feel off. I Mm. was not enjoying my experience with it at all. I did play through some of Star Fox 64, which is one of my all time favorite games. And honestly, the input delay on that one did not feel too bad. I'm going to say this. I recently got a super analog NT and a CRT television, and I was kind of blown away. It it felt like, you know, the, the, the covers were moved, removed from my eyes. In terms Mm -hmm. of input delay i could not believe how much better it felt and that just has given me a different kind of opinion on emulation i definitely think that there is criticism to be leveled at the way that nintendo has handled these n64 ports some of them just aren't great especially zelda ocarina of time ocarina of time has some ridiculous input delay but also i think that some of it is the way that the emulation is handled some of it is wireless controllers some of it Mm -hmm. is uh TVs that aren't in game mode that kind of thing people are doing tests and finding real measurable input delay but also some of that is unavoidable in emulated games
3: that's that's the issue right like we just don't have like CRTs were just so quick and we've gotten used to some of the lag and obviously some clever game designers are working on ways to kind of predict what you'll do next to make the games feel snappier some games like even you know guitar hero let you calibrate the delays and all of that but um yeah it is noticeable when you go back to the good old n64 box hooked up to a crt or or the analog which is analog nt which is awesome i have one too um but yeah zelda feels sluggish now ocarina of time always had some frame rate issues it it didn't always run at the most smooth frame rate and so Going back to that game, you definitely feel a difference to modern games. Whereas Mario 64 always still feels really smooth when you play it on the N64. And that's where it was most notable for me. I played, you know, like I couldn't tell. I didn't remember Win Back that well. I, I tried out everything Uh-oh, and Mario really? Kart seemed Mario <laughs> Kart seemed nobody remembers Winback. <laughs> <the> win <back. laughs> no, not people people think that Metal Gear um invented cover mechanics, um, for Winback. But yeah, like Yoshi's story, everything seems fine. Um and so it's not terrible, and it is obviously you're not going to be able to bring a CRT and an N64 with you on an airplane, which I'm you know, mm, I, 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 sure I, about that. I, I was, right away. I, I was <laughs> playing Mario 64 on an airplane yesterday, and um, it, it was just really cool to have these games on the go, but I'm disappointed. I, I think they need to do better, and I honestly think they need to bug fix. There, there's some yeah. bugs with online connections impacting your audio and stuff like that, so they they need to do a round of fixes on this one. Yeah, it's Exactly. You're
0: doing some head shaking it's, over it's here.
3: It's
1: inexcusable. Like it, yeah. it's unbelievable that they would, first of all, charge $30 a month for access to these games. $30
0: them, a year. We should. Year, year. I'm a sorry. Year, you're right. I misspoke.
1: $30 a year. And then have the games perform the way that they perform, especially considering that these games exist in better versions elsewhere. Right. right. Like <laughs> the reason that I've been hesitant to jump on the, the bandwagon, I haven't, I haven't subscribed to the, the, uh expansion um i haven't played any of the n64 games on switch because if i want to play ocarina of time i'll play it on 3ds that's a better version of that game if i want to play um super super mario 64 i'll play it on the 3d collection right like i just i don't i don't understand I just don't understand how they get away with this kind of thing, <laughs> you know. And
0: like, oh, I have I have my suspicions. Yeah, people are pissed. And bad people like
2: me. they can't <laughs> keep getting away with this. Right. And Nintendo's yeah. like, yes, we can. rightfully so
1: like it. It sucks. <laughs> but I, I also just think that the selection of games right now is like sort of whack. Like I don't know. I, I mean, given that they exist elsewhere, it seems really obviously this is Nintendo's deal. Like they just put out the same games over and over and over I mean, again. But it seems,
2: sin and punishment. That's not so nothing. That's, yeah, that's it's on the way, like, but. Like,
1: I think Sin and Punishment is probably the one, the one game in this collection that I was like, oh, that's pretty interesting. Like, I'd be, I'd be into playing Sin and Punishment. Um, and I also just thought it was really funny. Peril already mentioned Winback, but that's such a weird <laughs> footnote in Nintendo's history that <laughs> I did think that, like, out of all of the announcements out of that, that specific Direct, the fact that Winback was coming to Switch was like,
3: You what? know why?
0: Winback <laughs> is back, baby. I don't know. It's
3: Co- because Koei is such a close partner to Nintendo now totally. making the Warriors games, obviously yeah. for Switch. And so they probably, uh, they probably felt like they had to include one of those games. And, uh, you know, Namco is the other big partner and they, they really didn't have a lot of stuff on N64. And Koei, mm. like the one game that got translated outside of some of the more strategy oriented titles, win back. So yeah. yeah. It is interesting seeing this game return. It was just kind of trippy. But yeah, Sin and Punishment is there. The other thing r- going right into the N64 games when you play them on your gamepad like this. Oh, boy. The, bu- the default button mapping is just nonsense. Like it's, it You can't
2: it, change it, it, it either. It's no. ridiculous it's, you can't it's remap it.
3: so stupid because obviously Sin and Punishment is a game with Uh, reticule control that you move around the screen and then left and right movement where you would expect them to default map on the right stick and all of that. And nothing like that was done. So that's another bug.
2: Nintendo's like, do you want to spend $63 on a N64 controller so that you can actually play these games?
0: Right yeah right. and i yeah I, I did i did too <laughs> I, I just yeah. didn't get him yet but like I, ooh, I, zach I, is holding up his ooh, uh his wave Greatest the greatest, greatest a
2: not, controller. It's
0: not a 64 controller
3: that is not bad. one <laughs> that is not one but yeah no look look, it's at this point it's shoddy and i think they deserve the criticism that like fans are upset about it and sometimes you go like oh whatever it looks different it's fine but it, it feels different and that's a really important factor here these if this this is a nostalgia play because you can play Super Mario Odyssey on this machine, right? So going back to Super Mario 64 is for people who are interested in history and, and are nostalgic for this game and like you start playing it, it doesn't feel right. Inst- instantly, it does not feel as snappy as it used to and that's inexcusable and so they gotta
0: fix it. Yeah, I'm gonna guess that they don't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they don't. I have
2: <laughs> no faith whatsoever that Nintendo's gonna put out a patch. Brilliant. Another... Certainly another small thing that really annoys me, I wish I could turn off those borders because yes, they are I went, really distracting.
0: Yeah, they're not um, good. Or at least no, and should no, change them. Or
3: There are no options, right? Like Nintendo's no. done all this stuff better, whether it's with Game Boy Player or, you know, emulation on, on previous consoles. And so, yeah, they just, it, it feels like an afterthought as if they were saying we don't have enough value to bring up the price of subscription, but we really need to, right? We yeah. need to build this kind of value proposition that, fortifies us from having to sell in brick and mortar stores and all of that. And they just didn't have enough because Animal Crossing is a subset of the audience playing, right?
1: Well, I also think it sets kind of an odd precedent for what they want to do with their libraries moving forward, right? Because if the Nintendo 64 access to Nintendo 64 games costs $30 annually, is Game Boy Advance and Game Boy games going to be an additional $30 annually? Are GameCube Ooh. games going to be an additional $40 annually? Or, you know, like oh my when,
2: God. <laughs> I guess like
1: when, when does it stop, you know, like when do you stop adding on to this service? Because if they're adding libraries exclusively exactly. at, a, at a specific cost, like it just seems like it's, it's a real slippery slope what they've got going on here because like, I don't, yeah. I mean, certainly people are going to be willing to fork over that much cash. A, a year to uh, play some games but it just seems it just seems like um just seems like a bad call you know
3: yeah let's wise. let's be honest man gamecube games are going to be 60 bucks a pop oh, for <laughs> sure. they, yeah, like definitely. they're not gonna they're not gonna emulate gamecube games by the dozen on this machine they're gonna re-release them with with some fixes and 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 charge more money for it right we've mm-hmm. seen They'll
2: that do what they did on the wii u which yep. is release them individually
3: yeah exactly but yeah it's a good question like the Game Boy, the entire Game Boy library or 3DS games, will we have to pay again? Or is that now included with this next year?
0: Well, it's mm. funny you should bring that up because there was a some data mining that was done that shows, uh, I think, 38 more N64 games. And then a blank space, which people have taken to mean Game Boy Advance, in just in some way of the, of the numbering
2: for Or scheme. Game Boy. Or Game, Game Boy. Boy or- Game Boy Color. That's yeah. been the speculation, yeah. Yeah, so...
0: As part of the existing, but that's a data mine, and it could just mean nothing. It could be placeholders. It could, be, it could be TV game six games or virtual, uh, board. which is what we've all been asking for yeah. since day one. So teleview play. games, why not? Yeah, oh. yeah. I'd, t- I'd take those. <laughs> I mean, I just want to get Ultra Hand off of my Wii U. Actually, I never got Ultra Hand, so
2: I've always wanted to be able to play BS Zelda on my Nintendo Switch. Let's go. Let's do I it did. too. I uh, I.
0: Have been playing Ocarina of Time. It's the only game I've been playing. It is. Oh, I'm glad you very... had a chance to try it. Yeah, right. I heard a lot about that old game, and I thought I'd mm-hmm. give it a give it a crack. But uh, my biggest problem is playing with the pro controller and not being able to map the buttons. is is so impossibly difficult to make my brain work with that. I've started to get it now. I was just in the graveyard yesterday, and I remembered. Oh yeah, I have to hold the back trigger. And then that makes the A, B, Y, X, and buttons become the C. But it, it, it's hard well, to on, explain. What?
3: screen? dumb. The, the displays are unchanged, right? So you've yes. got your C buttons in the corner. So when you map an, uh, a tool to C up... It's actually different. On why wouldn't your... they just
1: put that on the D pad?
3: No, they so didn't do that. They, yeah. they put it on the right stick, and they put it on Y and X. <laughs> two of those on Y and X.
0: Okay, right. But, which, oh my god! Because it's on the right stick, and I'm so used to playing modern games where that's where the uh, the camera is mapped to. I'm accidentally right. pulling out my ocarina when I'm mm-hmm. trying to change the camera, and forgetting that. You oh no! I have that. to hit the Z trigger, which is actually the Z L button. I'm just. I just want my N64 controller. It's to funny grab-
2: is that the Star Fox 64 maps relatively intuitively to oh, the regular joy cons. So I haven't had too much of a problem being able to do the, the backflips and the flips and that kind of thing. So. But,
3: but cat, the, they mapped, left turn to this button and right turn Mm -hmm. to the lower one so okay that's fair
2: i that that is so strange it might be that i'm just mentally i've been playing Star Fox 64 on weird controllers for like 15 years at this point so because i was playing on an emulation so maybe just i'm not even thinking about it
0: Uh, (laughs) that is entirely possible
3: i'm i'm kind of no i'm just kind of baffled it's just Mm. so strange it feels like it wasn't done yeah. It's just not it's, it, it's not finished. I do think they'll patch it. Oh, but I, I think, think they will add so? button mapping. Oh yeah. Because I think we, we all yeah. thought we all thought they would not um uh add inverted controls to some of their previous emulation releases and they went back and they did it.
0: That yeah, is that's true. That is the best way point. to play for all games anyway. So I'm glad that they were able to, mm, to put that what in. What it yeah. comes
2: down to is that people are upset that they really are charging this amount of money. Like <laughs> yeah. it, it's a cost thing. Uh that, yeah. People are already kind of kind of grumbling, mm-hmm. well, more than grumbling, about the Nintendo Switch online expansion past its price. And, you know, the Animal Crossing expansion isn't out yet, so there isn't that value add at this point. Right. right. So people are looking at the amount of money that they're being charged for this thing annually, and then looking at what they're actually getting for it, and they're going, what the heck, Nintendo? <laughs> Jeez. Give us, give us what we're supposed to be getting, what we're paying for here. Actual good Nintendo 64 games, well-realized games, this feels like slapdash unfortunately oh, but.
3: And it, nintendo doesn't like it when its fans are mad at it so i do think they'll do something except for earthbound fans earthbound fans can be mad yeah. for, for decades That's they can stay rubbish. mad <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well on the flip side i tried out the genesis emulation and it's fantastic i know a lot of people have been saying well if i want the genesis games i'll just buy the sega genesis collection it's on switch and i'm here to tell
2: you that is well i actually don't like the sega genesis collection
0: It is the presentation I love in the Sega Genesis collection. You know, it's like you're in a game room. It's like 1996 or whatever. Yeah, Um, it's fun. Yeah, you know, Bill Clinton's on a saxophone back there, just just (laughs) kicking out the jibs. But uh, man, I did a a comparison, which I forgot to post of the button lag and the the input lag on the Sega Genesis collection is is real bad. It's as bad as Mm -hmm. that. I'm sure you've seen the Twitter video now of the Ocarina of Time input lag. Like you push the button. Mm -hmm. And then you like wait a beat and then something happens on screen. And whereas the emulation for the uh, the Nintendo Switch Online Genesis, stuff, it's the input lag is is very minimal and it looks great. So I was, I've only played Sonic 2, so that's my only point of comparison. Um, if you're just going to play like Final Fantasy 4, I guess, um, or Shining Force, maybe you could get the Sega Genesis collection. But as far as emulation yeah. on Nintendo Switch Online, the Genesis is really good.
3: So. Yeah, I, gotta, I only started Gunstar Heroes. That's probably the most hardware-taxing game, right? The treasure shooter. Oh, yeah, they turn it's the blast processing way up. No, they got, like, they got like <laughs> polygonal bosses and all sorts of, like, crazy stuff that others didn't do. So I, w- I want to play through that and see how that holds up. And then, obviously, um, Echo the Dolphin runs faster than the human eye can actually control the game. So uh, that one would be a good one to, to try out, too.
2: But so far, what yeah. What matters right. is they got Sonic Two right. And that's that's right. the g- only game I want to play. A game that I've owned on like ten platforms at <laughs> yeah. this point, but it nope. doesn't matter. I'm surprised. Yeah. I'm
1: surprised that you're not interested in like Fantasy Star or um, Shining oh,
2: Force. Yeah. Oh, of course, I'm interested in both of those games. Yeah. But right now, Sonic Two, Sonic so Two <laughs> is the pick up and play one. Yeah, yeah. Fantasy Star Four is the one that I go back to at a certain point. I. I have Fantasy Star the the re the reissue from mm-hmm. M2. That is a fantastic remix and kind of goes to show how much more love Sega tends to put into its releases. But here's the funny thing about a uh, Sega Genesis on Nintendo Switch Online expansion pass. A lot of I think a lot of people don't even realize it's out cuz it's mm-hmm. so well hidden. It's very yeah. Down.
3: Yeah, it's totally now, buried. Isn't that weird? It's like you have the section where you have the NES, Super NES, and N sixty four games. And there's no mention of it, and you have to go to the expansion pack section, which also includes the N sixty four. That's the only place to find it right now. It's not in any like downloadable trending lists either, because it's treated as this special release that's not a something you can buy. So it's it definitely they need to figure out how to market that thing in the store. Like, I I literally asked. Like, is yeah. it out? It's, <laughs> yeah. it's like, you have to go find it.
2: Yeah, That was my first thought. All the discourse has been around the N64. Nobody's mm-hmm. talking about the Sega Genesis release. So for a hot second, I thought, so yeah, when is the Sega Genesis collection coming out? Yeah. And then somebody mentioned, oh yeah, I'm playing Sonic 2. I'm like, is it? And then I had to go looking. I had to dig you know? it out. That's just wild. Why is Nintendo treating Sega like this? All
1: rivals, you know?
2: Yeah. I, I know. I, guess, I love that the Sega Genesis controller that you can buy has Nintendo stamped back on it and it's Uh, almost like nintendo saying to sega we own you now (laughs) you belong to us we want to know one sad
3: (laughs) one sad thing is when you sync your um your kind of classic controllers to the switch you know the ones you get you can buy with a nintendo online service um, it recognizes them and displays them. Like the N64 controller, I saw a screenshot of what it looks like paired and it's the N64 controller. Only the Genesis one is a generic pro controller Ooh. sync, so Ooh. definitely second secondary citizen there in that ecosystem, but, you know.
2: yeah, maybe. Just funny because supposedly Nintendo paid a lot of money to get Sega onto this platform because yeah. Sega uh, by all accounts was not super happy with how things went with the virtual console. So Nintendo to shell out for this and then to be like, no, but you're also second class citizen Sega. Just deal with it. (laughs) I'm
3: thinking some of it is just the mechanics of the store and how it's set up, right? Like the store is, the store relies on automation, right? Like this is the top selling game. This is the, you know, a featured game. And like this kind of add-on to a subscription plan doesn't fit right into it. And then it doesn't fit into Nintendo's online setup either because it's an add-on like the Animal Crossing DLC. But unlike Animal Crossing, it doesn't have the upsell of a game that people are playing to let you discover it. So I, I I honestly think a little bit of it is just the mechanics of the store and they have to figure out how to feature it better. They need a yeah. promo placement that they can slot or something.
0: I just wish we had the virtual console again. That's Because now we know what's going to happen in two years. We're going to pay $20 a year to play C64 games on our Switches. <laughs> have you
2: ever played a virtual... Or you're thinking... Have you ever played a virtual boy, Seth? I've never
0: played a virtual boy. I only really? there was a there was a, a, a
2: demo unit at my local Walmart,
0: and I stuck my head in there. But I have no depth perception, so it didn't. It was just like <laughs> I'm looking at red flat graphics. So this oh, no. is stupid. Yeah, <laughs> like you you were born without depth perception. Yeah, I don't have depth perception. <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah, it's everything's two D to me. Except wow, that's fascinating. Except the three Ds. The only time I see three Ds or three D wow.
1: is when. Like,
2: I have a 3ds so, in front did of you,
1: me. Did, did you just weep the first time you played it? You, you it was
2: weird. It I was like, "Why is there it? something?" It
0: was. It was. Dude, yeah.
2: hey, the world it has layers. Yeah. <laughs> you
3: should make yourself glasses like a Jordi Laforge like visor. <laughs>
1: I agree. And you, you
3: should do that. And, and you walk around the real world with a 3ds
0: to see <laughs> it. <laughs> Won't look weird at <laughs> all. Just turn Seth. on the, turn on the the uh, stereo cameras. Yeah, and just there walk goes. around. Live in AR. I mean, I mean, that's you where we deal we're,
3: with the occasional like question mark block popping up, but it should be fine.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm going to do that. Next time you see me, I'm going to have a uh, uh, Jordy LaForge mascot. It's funny. Cause I was just watching next generation while I was working. Oh, it's so good. Oh, it's such a great show. Yeah, what a show. Ah, oh, sh- oh, love it. Absolutely. agree. But that's not about Nintendo. No, it's a whole different podcast that a uh, pair and I just launched right There's now. Star Trek
2: TNG right. games on Nintendo yeah. platforms. It's fair game. That is true.
0: Mm-hmm. Star Trek. Uh, chat. <laughs> just all slap our little communicators on our chest and hello how's it going yeah uh, uh. so that's the n64 emulation people don't like it i can't say as if i blame them i personally have only played ocarina of time and i'm enjoying it other than not being able to figure out the controls half the time i keep swinging my bottle and letting go of the bugs that i caught for no reason i'm really loving it except for all the parts that are bad Hey man, listen, being able to play I last time I played it was on the 3DS and I love that's a great version, but mm-hmm. it's also very small.
2: Mm-hmm. And I have a sneaky good thing about this service. Actually the multiplayer is fun. Oh really? I, yeah, I play Puyo Puyo a lot with a friend of mine on nice. the Super Nintendo service. I'm I'm like one of the five people who actually make use of this. Uh there's a uh, a journalist named Fuchs from Australia, and they were playing Mario Kart 64 with people from like all over Australia Mm. and having like a surprisingly good experience now, obviously it can vary from on your internet connection. There can be input delay, but I think it's kind of a neat novelty that they have this, uh, this online play. And I, I do actually use it and I do play all of the, the ROMs somewhat regularly. So it, it is a legit kind of value add for me. But I can understand why a lot of people are like, why? Why are you doing this to Nintendo? Like, <laughs> it is like really halfway there. They they are not going all out with these services. And it's yeah. it's frankly quite frustrating.
1: Is there any of the, um, like the handoff two player um, that exists in the N64 games like there was for some of the Nintendo and uh, NES and SNES games where...
2: You can play two player local, yeah?
1: Yeah, but I mean, like, there was, there was games, if I remember correctly, there were games that you could play as two player games at like the single player mode as two player games or if one character died the controller would be virtually handed to the second player like does that exist for n64 games as well because i could see myself playing through like mario 64 with somebody that way that'd be cool i don't think
3: we have a game like that yet mm, okay no they're all yeah they're all either versus so the four players but yeah four player mario card dr mario um star fox obviously so we don't have that yet but yeah that, mm. that would be cool Speaking
2: of Mario sixty four, a weird thing is the Rumble, which is available in the Japanese version of the Virtual Console, but not in the American right. and European versions. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's why.
3: Let's see. The, well, they never they never translated that version back, so there was Mario sixty four came out without Rumble everywhere, and then in Japan when the Rumble pack came out for Star Fox, oh, well, it was or Etoy's bass fishing is when it was developed for. It, it, it yes. came out and they Obviously. released a Shindō Mario 64 and a Shindō Wave Race and those were Shindō being movement or or, or Rumble basically. So they released those and they never came came out here. We got those two copies still in our office in a box. Oh nice. Wow. That is by the I way. Have to see these. That's Shindo awesome. Shindō Mario is the game that speedrunners use. So they don't use the regular mm-hmm. US version. They use the Rumble Pack version probably without a Rumble Pack um, to, to speed run the game because they're like subtle changes that make it a little bit faster.
0: And then they play it in like traditional Chinese because the text is
3: faster. I believe that, that's that's right. Some of the localized versions uh, with fewer characters just go faster. <laughs> yep.
0: <laughs> well, that's the N64 emulator. Eh, it is what it is. Thirty-four percent of you said you're fine with it. So hey,
2: I got Star Fox 64 on the Switch. I'm happy. Which I had never no. played before, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna start, dude. Seth, play it. It's I the know. best shooter ever. Hey, made.
1: you're in for a treat. I, I would assume, and Kat can probably back me up here, but I would assume that out of most of the games in this collection, that's the one that has aged the best.
2: Oh, okay. Oh, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, here's mm. the secret about the N64. Actually, most of the games in that thing has not aged very well. That's, like, what, that's what I'm there. saying. Yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Except for Dr. Mario 64, which will never age because it's still great. Timeless.
2: Yeah. Four, I wonder how many people are going back to these games and just being shocked because their nostalgia goggles don't match lot. up with the actual experience. I bet yeah, a lot. Yeah. Yep.
1: Mm-hmm. I certainly felt that way when I was playing through Super Mario 3D All-Stars. To go back to Mario 64 was like, ooh, even this game I feel is, you know, not, not, not yeah. as amazing as I remember it being.
3: And you got to get the they got to get the act together for Banjo-Kazooie though, man. That's a that's a more taxing game than anything that's out right now hardware-wise. I hope it looks as beautiful as it. looks oh, so well, on the well, rare Jared collection. Petty is so angry at you <laughs> for bringing up
1: Banjo-Kazooie.
2: Mario Kart 64 has this annoying thing where it says you can't save the ghost data on the uh the virtual console, but so the controller- otherwise Yeah, but otherwise when I was playing it, I was like, "Oh, it actually looks surprisingly good in some ways." And it Handle it looks better and handles better than I remember it being on the N sixty four. It's it's fun that, too. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's quite. Everybody, a lot of people say it, Mario Kart sixty four is secretly one of the weakest Mario cards. What compared to a lot of the Long other games? Oh yeah, say it's that. much worse than like Mario Kart eight, Double Dash, that kind of thing. But no, I, when I, I was playing, I was like, wow, like Mario Kart sixty four holds up. Better than I kind of ever thought. So okay. I kind of want to go back
1: to it. I think Double Dash is the best Mario Kart.
2: Double Dash is the best Mario Kart. Oh, so Mario fun. Kart 8 is absolutely the best. It's not eh, close. Eh. But I love Double Dash. That's the second best.
0: All right, all right. Well, enough of this Nintendo 64. This year, I decided I actually wanted to like follow hockey a little bit more than just the most casual of casuals. So I subscribed to a service that streams all of the NHL to your Zach, hit us with the soundboard of an explosion. I oh, took the soundboard out. out. Dang, all right, well. <laughs> oh, Mario Party oh. Superstars is out. Mitchell reviewed it. He gave it an eight, which we all know stands for. Great. 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 It's a little m- mnemonic trick that you can remember it by because mm. it rhymes. Uh, might be the best in the series. Who has uh, some uh, some Mario Party love that they would like to speak to? Because I actually never played Mario Party. What? Until the last one that came out for was it the switch or the wii u we got it for my kids we played it once and they're like let's not do this yeah i mean in the same way that (laughs)
1: that mario kart 8 deluxe is the best mario kart according to some um mario (laughs) party for the switch is probably the weakest mario party so in terms of choosing your first mario party that was a rough one for sure
3: yeah Yeah. no but everybody in one car is the worst mario party game let's be honest (laughs) um no I, i i grew up with mario mario party in that Played it at first with my coworkers and friends, and and lots of hours spent on it. And honestly, it became a kind of a party and drinking game for us. You know, not not drink if you lose, but you're just hanging out, <laughs> having fun. Drink and, if and you play win. Get, playing these games, <laughs> Mario Party Two was obviously amazing, and Three was amazing. And then, you know, over time, I felt like Hudson didn't do a good job enhancing it. Like it, it still, it it always took so long to do anything, and it would repeat the same phrases. And so I kind of fell out of love with it as a game to play with my friends but then with my kids getting older we started playing it as a family and they uh, my kids just have this tolerance for anything that is menial and takes a long time to, to do and oh. um so it was fun once again um but yeah it's uh, i'm I'm really looking forward to
0: to going back to this one because it seems like we're going back to the best era of Mario Party. yeah and it uh we're recording on Thursday and it comes out tomorrow Friday October 29th so Whew. yeah it's exciting. Kat. Uh, did you play a lot of Mario Party or no?
2: I had a lot of resentment for Mario Party in my heart <laughs> during the N64 days because when I would get together with my friends, we had two games, Mario Party and Smash Brothers. There was only one game I wanted to play. Yeah. That game was Smash Brothers. Uh, there you go. So every time we went to Mario Party, it meant that we were no longer playing Smash Brothers. <laughs> I became very upset. It's personal. So I've I've harbored that grudge against Mario Party for a very long time now. but. More to the point, like it is a deeply silly and ridiculous game where winning does not matter. Secretly, I'm quite competitive, so <laughs> to be like I, this game breaks me. It breaks my brain, and I know that Smash Brothers in some ways is also not meant to be competitive. But at least there's a skill element to it. Mario Party just says screw your skill. Yeah, just gonna, it's just a dice roll. You're just here to have fun and be ridiculous, play some mini games, get drunk. It's cool, yeah. and a lot of people. And that's why a lot of people vibe with it. I. I don't get it. <laughs>
3: yeah, that's but that's the kids and family factor, right? Like mm-hmm. it is oh, absolutely. when 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 grown-ups play with kids, there is obviously an advantage and you can set your handicaps in games like Smash or you can tweak the rule set to be more random to have more items and all of that. And Mario Mario Party doesn't let you adjust it for like if four good grown-up players were playing, it doesn't let you actually have that experience. And so it is it is very much a family and a very much a casual board game where you roll the dice and sometimes that means you win. Sometimes it means you lose. Oh, my God. Did you see the footage? Like, cameo I saw little, that. The uh-huh. past cameo and there. Wearing the same jean jacket. And, and so, yeah, like I, I would kick my kids butts and then we get to the end and it's like, here is an award because it's Tuesday today. And boom, you know, somebody else wins and it's just got to be. Just gotta be above it as the grown up in the room. But seriously, screw those
0: kids. No way. The kids will never <laughs> learn. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. They gotta learn how life really is, and that's by losing.
2: <laughs> unfair.
0: <laughs> life is unfair. So that is uh, out tomorrow. So check that out. Also check out Mitchell's review because it's good as always. Really good. Uh, yeah. Uh, there's a Pikmin ARG coming out where you can like look through your phone and see the Pikmin that uh, haunt us all in and our day to day lives. Yeah. So. I- I don't think this will quite I- explode in the same way that uh, Pokemon Go did. Pikmin's a little bit more of a, uh, <clears throat> a niche product. I don't think
2: I so. Saw, I saw a news story that said that they were hoping that this was going to be as big as Pokemon Go, and I'm like, good luck with that. Yeah, no, <laughs> seriously. No, my
0: grandmother yeah. knows what a Pokemon is. So
3: it's I love the again. I love the sentiment of trying to get people out of the house. And it's basically mm. right. It counts your steps and all of that. And like is the whole kids will love looking through their phone and seeing the pikmin the trailer does a really good job like making it look cute and interesting but um yeah. we'll we'll see if the game loop is as interesting and i i heard that should i say that but like i heard Niantic's B team was on it so it's not like oh, it is no. not it, it like it didn't get the same resources as you know like a pokemon go which was obviously a big deal with a lot sure. of variety and lots of pokemon to catch and that that hook is gone here but I, I i love this kind of stuff i think it's yeah. cute that they're cool that they're experimenting with the pikmin franchise and pikmin games are so good it yes. is frustrating that they're not some of the top sellers on the system so
0: well it's I, so hard it to sell like sell somebody on pikmin you're like, yeah. yeah there's these little you're an alien and there's these other little aliens and you live in a mm. garden and there's fruit like, like oh hell yeah batteries, batteries. Yeah. In terms of like IP, I think I'm I think I'm just more fond of
1: Pikmin at overall than I am of Pokemon. I, I you know like I just I I love the Pikmin game so much. Um, and I would like to give this game a shot, but I fully anticipate that my experience with this will be the exact same as it was with Pokemon Go, where I'll play it for a couple of months and then decide probably isn't for me. So yeah. I don't know. I'd like to be proven wrong. I do love these little bugs. Or
2: I'm going to give it a try. They
0: are. Yeah, they're a little. They're a little. F-
2: is there guy? an ARG game that has come even remotely close to matching the success of Pokemon Go? No. I mean, uh, no. Harry Potter was heavily promoted and kind of was fell bad off. Nobody's sure so bad. Be bad. What happened to that yeah.
0: Minecraft one? I thought there was going to be, or is that did that just come and go and nobody cared about it? Ooh. There was I a Ghostbusters
2: that one that nobody cared about. <laughs> oh and, my God, yeah, that's right. And uh,
3: bad, there was sports-based ones. Niantic's tried a couple of times too, right? But it's... Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It will, uh, we'll
2: Pokemon's see. just a natural hook because people want to believe that Pokemon are available in the real world. And then yes. just being able to throw that ball with a touchscreen. Oh, my God. The, so there's good. a connection to it that I don't think any other ARG game has really quite been able to match. That's
0: no. fair. Also, uh, it's the 20th anniversary of Pikmin. So happy, happy anniversary, Pikmin.
2: Hey, Pikmin's Which, a wonderful game and oh, deserves love it. more
0: love. Pikmin 3 was uh, such a great uh, Wii U experience. Uh, I, I bought. Well the, said. Yeah, I bought <laughs> yeah. The, the Switch version. I actually didn't finish the Switch version because I played it so much on the Wii U. I was kind of like, yeah, I'm a little bit I've, of this, but I love it. I love. I did. I, it.
3: and I think it is good on Switch. It's just not very enhanced, right? It looks right. No. It looks exactly the same. And yeah. so, um, if you already played it on Wii U, that you probably don't have to buy it again. But it's just it's a wonderful game. I enjoyed it again for the
2: second time. Yeah, it's my partner cute. loves Pikmin and I remember it being one of the handful of games that was actually more enjoyable with motion controls than the Wii. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Another thing is uh my wife has a friend named Brittany and every time she mentions that oh, i say Brittany. Brittany. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the sound effects. Brittany. All right. Mm-hmm. We're going to finish up the news right now. Uh Pokémon Company is now officially sponsoring sumo. The Nintendo Ooh. online physical rewards that everyone thought were going away, they're fine. They just are updating them to the next round of them. So if you want a uh, poster or like a pencil bag like I have for the 3D All-Stars, things of that nature will be coming back. You'll be able to get your Pikmin shot glasses or whatever it is next. (laughs) But we have a new segment on the show. We are talking about the top Nintendo games of all time based on the Mm. top 100 games of all time list on IGN.com, a website that pays me. You should check it out. Hmm. Zach, we picked this one. Well, cat picked this one because it's great, but it works well because you're on the show. We're going for the number 43 top game of all time according to IGN.com Metroid Prime. Oh, yes. Zach, <laughs> do you have any strong feelings one way or another
1: about Metroid, Metroid Prime? Is one of the, I think Metroid Prime is one of the greatest video games ever created.
0: Okay. Um, eh.
1: I think I think to this day, you know, uh, they called Nintendo called Metroid Prime a first-person adventure. And I think that to this day, there's not another game. I mean, outside of Prime 2 and Prime 3, there's not another game that feels quite like that first Metroid Prime game. I would in agree. In terms of atmosphere, in terms of discovery, um, just an absolutely amazing game top to bottom. Similar, like to me, what Ocarina of Time did for Zelda in the transition from 2D to 3D, Metroid Prime did for Super Metroid in the transition yeah. from 2D to 3D, and that really reintroduced it to a whole new generation, really completely retooled Metroid, except kind of kept it the same, somehow managed to ke- you know maintain that same spirit of discovery. And um, I mean, I was going to say Dread, but uh-huh. now there's a whole other game called Dread. But anyway, <laughs> um, phenomenal game, amazing game. Um, in my personal top 10, uh, I'm actually, I just, I've spent, kind of an obscene amount of hours trying to figure out how to correctly hook up my GameCube and get it looking really really oh. choice because I'm going to stream Metroid Primes here starting pretty soon so nice.
0: um, oh let me give you a pro tip uh, hook yeah. your uh, hook your Wii up and use the GameCube uh, emulation through that it's have way a easier but it's I not emulation that
3: or yeah. we, not? has a tiny little GameCube inside. There's a tiny GameCube inside. <laughs> yeah. of it.
0: That's what. That's what I. I actually stream Prime. That's. What, that's just my. That's my pro tip for you, buddy. I would do. What I would do it out. if I had a Wii. But I. I. What? You don't have a Wii? A time ago. No, I don't. Oh. Oh. I know. Well, but, you but, go, buddy. Thanks. Ship it out this way, <laughs> <it's> just, <laughs> Zach. You, you can't have the memory card though. Yeah, it's all right.
3: Your comments on Metroid Prime. I mean, like I really want to go back again and play it. And I've, the only reason why I haven't done it is because I'm expecting nintendo to announce a, Wait, a trilogy or something eventually but it's like there are so many things that are great about metroid prime and it's not all about how well they did in translating kind of like the super metroid atmosphere to a 3d game like this you know obviously there's certain things that are dated it will feel weird that you have to lock on to strafe and you don't have that kind of free control except when the the trilogy re release. but um the music man like oh. just the music's so good and like I love Dread. I think Dread is fantastic, but the the one thing it doesn't nail is the Metroid music, the way that um, that Metroid Prime the, the Metroid Prime games were able to do it.
1: Yeah, um, I think that's fair.
3: And Metroid Prime adds all these new melodies, and they all sound like Metroid, whereas like Dread only sounds like Metroid when it repeats a melody from like Super or the original. Mm. And then uh, the architecture. So this game was not afraid to create a room that slanted. Like they figured mm. out how to. How to make you move through environments that felt all messed up. The, the geometry wasn't just flat rooms with uh, straight platforms. It's like it's broken, it's decrepit, it's ruins, it's overgrown, it's got gaps and and nooks and crannies, and it's just a really well QA'd game. Um it yeah, we 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 need this back. And I hope I hope modern retro can do this franchise justice with four. Yeah. I think we're all definitely
2: one of the most beautiful games on the GameCube of that generation even. And it's not just for raw graphical fidelity, though. Certainly, it had that going for it. It was a lot of the little touches in terms of the art design. Mm -hmm. For example, seeing Samus in the visor uh, when certain lighting effects happened. That was so cool back in the day. Or the way that a Metroid would grab onto your helmet and your visor would go you know, berserk, right? Or yeah. there would be, you would go up to an electrical thing and you would get electrical interference in your visor. And that, those were some really neat touches in the way that they handled hand,
3: it. Hand on the gun too, like all these things, like when she's aiming and yeah, there's so many really cool touches in this. And then the morph ball has never felt this good again. Right. Yeah.
1: It's just,
2: yeah. Like and compared to,
3: has momentum. No, it has, a has momentum and it like, it can go slow and very accurately but it can also get blasted off and like goes mm-hmm. it fast. It's
0: so much
2: mm-hmm. oh and the x-ray visor where you can see her actual hand inside the uh the gun <laughs> yeah
0: that's so cool <laughs> yeah this uh i when i remember when metroid prime was announced i said it's going to be an fps i was really anti fps back at the the, the sure. turn of the millennium for whatever reason um and so i had no faith in this game whatsoever i thought I everybody was like, skeptical of it yeah, at the yeah. time yeah and then i actually was very late to the party with the, with the game I've told the story before where my Xbox broke down and I just sold it to GameStop for uh, so they could refurb it. And then I got all the, all the GameCube games that I missed. I got, you know, like wind waker and I got uh, sunshine and I got this and this far and away. I actually recently sold my copy of my original copy of it, but this was far and away. My favorite. I just, I'd never played through a Metroid game before uh, hmm. Metroid prime.
2: Well, and then it's I was, really paced a lot better than Metroid Prime Two or Metroid Prime Three. Yeah, so. yeah, that's true. Yeah, the first it's, one, is I the
1: feel best. like it's the only one. It's the only one of the trilogy of of Prime games that actually like really nails every facet. Um, I think that there's things that two and three do that are really interesting, but I think this first Prime game is just like really something special because of the way that it's paced, because of the way that it kind of tells its story, you know, because of the way it introduces its mechanics no distra- it's a, it's a distractions
3: ten ten yeah three yeah. had the distraction of like integrating motion controls wherever possible and some of that yeah. stuff was cool like welding was cool but like it it, it kind of was tiresome and then two was hey what if we put zelda in our metroid game right so it created this entire <laughs> light world dark world aspect and like it had this kind of oppressive kind of thing that majora's mask had to um so it was like it was like a metroid escape sequence every time we went into the dark world
1: yeah. two, two also has a quest at the end of it that is kind of similar to wind waker's triforce quest that is just mm-hmm. so long and yeah. so tedious and takes so much additional time at the end of that game that it's like honestly it's it i won't say it's game breaking but it does it does really hamper that game's overall experience yep.
2: yeah still great. i was thinking of metroid dread's boss battles and actually i think mm. metroid mm. Prime has some excellent boss battles into it oh yeah especially Mm -hmm. the battle the final battle with ridley is one of the top in the entire series uh i think it's so atmospheric you're on that rain slicked platform as i recall correctly and wow like it was so cool like and ridley felt so overwhelming when you were fighting him too oh my gosh like there's very little like that generation than what we got with ridley
3: Prime Prime does this thing where it uses all the different abilities in the boss battles. Like honestly, Mm -hmm. more like a Zelda game, right? Where it's like there are certain bosses that are morph ball centric, you know, where you have to figure out the machinations of it. Whereas like Dread, you know, you can you can beat Dread's final boss without ever going into the morph ball. It helps to you know drop some bombs there, but um, but you could do it without. Whereas like some Prime bosses, you really have to use all the different abilities, all the different visors to do it. And yeah. The, the very final, the Metroid, was it the Met, Metroid Prime was the final boss in Metroid, right? In Metroid Prime.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I, I remember that thing was so hard. I have to go back to it. But then again, I felt like that with Dread too, where I, when I first faced the, well, the, yeah. the the last Dread boss, I thought I'd never be able to beat it. And now, like, I can replay it and just beat it on the first.
1: attempt. I, I think that that's like one of the tenements of a Metroid game. Like, the way that they, the way that you have to, the power curve of learning a boss's attack patterns and understanding how to defeat a boss in yeah. any Metroid game is what makes, uh, I think, is part of what makes a Metroid game so special. And yeah, I do think that Dread nails it, and, and I think that Prime nails it too. Yeah, one it's of the such a
2: forward-thinking three D first three uh, D game, right? I mean, oh, like, absolutely. Yeah, if you look back at all of the first-person games that were coming around at that time. I think, with a couple of exceptions, Metroid Prime blows almost all of them out of the water. Yeah. And the way that it so smoothly transitions to you turning into your morph ball and everything, it's just a perfectly realized transition from 2D to 3D uh, in a way that I'm kind of shocked at how well it holds up today. Yeah. I
0: was, I tried to play it again. I was going to say, I, you know, it was a a few years ago that I, that I tried to play it again. And at first, the controls, I was like, no, this isn't, this isn't going to happen. But it didn't take me very long to, to get used to the controls, even though they're, you know, they're, they're very dated. But at the time I remember playing it and being like, well, these controls make no sense to me and my 2d brain. Um, So that's something I think that's pretty impressive that controls that from that long ago, that don't feel good immediately upon replaying it. You eventually you're like, Oh yeah, obviously like this makes complete sense. Yeah. This is fantastic. To scan things. is really neat.
2: Oh a, my God! I love scans. That was a really things. novel edition back in two thousand two or whatever. Well, yeah. there's also yeah. there's
1: also like I mean, if, dare I say it? There's like a hint of a touch of Dark Souls in Metroid Prime, where there's a oh, lot no. of like backstory. You said the and words. The <laughs> no, I'm sorry. There's a lot of backstory and lore that are embedded in scans, right? Yeah. Like a mm-hmm. lot of that story is told through the stuff that you learn by scanning objects in the room, in each room. So like, yeah, there's that's.
0: Um, excuse me, but Elder Scrolls has, has entire books uh, that you have to read uh, to find out the backstory of that. So let us not speak of. That.
2: But it's embedded in a lot of environmental storytelling.
0: Yeah.
1: Mm -hmm. Great game. Absolutely.
2: It's number 43
0: on our greatest games of all time. I would have put it higher. I'm just glad it's there at all. (laughs) Fantastic game. Cat. We're going to move from this new segment to our less new segment. You have a cat take for us this week.
2: Hello, everybody. I'm Kat, and this is my take for this week. We were talking earlier about the Nintendo Switch Online Expansion Pass, and people are saying, wow, what is Nintendo doing with these old games? Why why isn't Nintendo treating its history better? This is not a new thing for Nintendo. (laughs) Nintendo has a long history of being really kind of awful toward its own history, going back to the Wii Virtual Console, where the emulation was quite poor the release of their Super Mario celebration back in, what, 2009, 2010, where they put a Super Mario All-Stars ROM on a disc and side some nice packaging and said, let's call it good. Uh. They have made it very hard to get a hold of a lot of their older games. A lot of their games have poor emulation. And then if you just do a compare and contrast to what Sega Genesis does, you can play a lot of their older games and some of them are just beautifully done. For example, I was already mentioning Fantasy Star, done by M2. That is not only a great port, it is a really significantly enhanced port that makes that game infinitely more playable. And I look at, or I look at the Castlevania collection, you know, Ooh, the recent Castlevania like collection from GBA, so well done, and I'm asking myself, Nintendo, what are you doing? The Super Mario 3D All-Stars collection. Super Mario Sunshine was friggin' terrible on that collection. What are you doing, Nintendo? Treat your history better because you are one of the most historic publishers in the games industry today. People have strong feelings about your games to this day. Games like Super Mario 3, Super Mario World hold up magnificently well, but again and again and again, you shortchange them mm-hmm. with slipshod releases. So do better, Nintendo. <laughs> That's all I'm asking. I better.
3: I think- I think Nintendo hates emulation so much because so many people use it to steal their games that anytime yeah. they meet an expert in emulation, they kill them. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the Nintendo ninjas get them?
3: So They never have the expert working on their games. Oh, wow. Uh,
0: like, I would never love to see M2 like, just give yeah. them a crack. At yeah, I look at these Nintendo other collections
2: and I look at how nice the actual menus are, the surplus of options that are included around them. And how they will often add accessibility features that really enhance their actual playability in the modern day. And granted, a lot of Nintendo games from the NES and the Super NES era actually hold up extremely well in this day and age. But Nintendo's releases are so consistently bare bones. It's like they seem to know that they will make money and they can just put them out. But on the flip side, they're also incredibly precious about their own brands. There's a dissonance there that I just don't really understand in the way that it treats its retro releases. It's almost like they're pulling teeth to even put them out there.
0: I I would say that the NES Classic and the Super NES Classic are probably the best uh, that Nintendo has done Mm in-house. I agree to that. However, as someone who reviewed both the Sega Genesis Mini and the TurboGrafx Mini, which were handled by M2, those are so very much better even so even nintendo's best case uh scenario with their mini classic consoles is nowhere near as incredible like m2 they just hide these incredible little easter eggs in there and these little touches you know you can there's the disc sound loading on the turbo graphics when you put in a cd game it's just beautiful wonderful and all their collections you should definitely get the contra collection the both castlevania collections again m2 please Nintendo just
2: you're right use- The S- SNES classic for example having the ability to re- rewind games in the fact they can put a lot of ROMs on it and it works really well the really nice menus uh the fact that it comes in a mini version of the classic packaging yeah like that was maybe one of the instances in which Nintendo got it right and people went crazy for them The that's oh, yeah. classic what the insanity around that thing it was, was nearly just impossible to find one. Wild, yeah. yeah. It's
0: still, I mean, it's still, and they just. Oh, actually, no, that's not true because they did a second run of yeah. the NES Classic because they had no idea <laughs> somehow be, yeah. that people were going to lose their minds for something that they've all been wanting uh, forever. But they never did a second run of the Super NES Classic, and prices have settled I mean, down pretty much. You can get them for around a hundred, hundred and thirty dollars online, but that's. That's still a lot of money. Yeah.
2: And it extends to more than just a virtual console. It also extends to, for example, their limited releases with Super Mario 3D All-Stars and uh, Fire Emblem. Like the Fire Emblem oh, yeah. was actually, it had some darkness issues. So it seemed very much based on the Wii U version, but otherwise like it had some nice improvements, you know, made to it. And it was released in a really nice limited edition box. It was fully localized. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. I'm glad that Nintendo did that. Why in God's name did you make this a limited release? What are you doing, Nintendo?
3: <laughs> Unfortunately, cat. I think most people would not buy buy the old game, right? Or don't want mm-hmm. the old
0: game. That's you still buy just the game for 4.99 on the right. uh, on the eShop. But, it, but no, I many think people right. do that. I doubt it. I doubt Great very question. many people even know that it was there. I bought the collector's edition, and I'm not even. I a sure didn't buy that guy. collector's edition. Yes. Yeah, yeah.
3: Rumor has it that you bought the Collector's Edition and then broke it.
0: I, what? Yeah, no, this is uh, something that happened before an episode of Nintendo Voice Chat when I was oh, no. showing Pear. I said, hey, look, and then I dropped it and I cracked <gasps> the, uh, the oh, corner of that crystal case. Oh, no. Case. That's, That's yeah, such it's, a bummer.
2: It's you around can't here Seth needs to treat Nintendo's history better. <laughs> what are you doing, Seth?
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a little bit heartbreaking, but. Oh, well, what can you do? Well, I'm glad uh, I brought that memory back for you. I'm sorry. No, I, <laughs> it's up on the shelf. Like or I don't want to like, get it. So every now and then I see it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember when I ruined that, and I broke uh, that. Yeah. highly desirable piece of <laughs> Nintendo collectible. Yeah, uh, it's history. when
3: but- my first four figures, uh, Dark Link with light up eyes, slipped off the pedestal and lost his head. And just, obviously, then the electronics, everything was busted. It was a dark day for Dark Link.
0: Well, <laughs> uh, well, let's uh, pour one out for Dark Link. And uh, I think Topic 6 would normally be what we've been playing, but we've all been playing the same game. And we've all uh, talked about you know Ocarina of Time and the N64. So I want to give our listeners a warning. Thank you for hanging out with us for now. But if you have not beat Metroid Dread, you, and you don't want anything spoiled, you probably don't want to listen. If you're one of those people who doesn't care, you just want to hear people talking about a game, by all means. But this is going to go right into Metroid Dread, and we are not going to hold anything back. We're going to talk about every part of it as if you were familiar with it. So be warned. Spoilers are now. If you're shutting it off, thank you so much. Love you. You're the best. See you next time. All right. Metroid Dread. Hey, Zach, I heard you like this game, Metroid Dread. Let's go! Yo, this game, this
1: game. Absolutely
0: how many times you beat slapped. it now?
1: Um, so I beat it. Let me think. Hang on. So I, I played it through regular, just like to get through it, and then I played it through, um, to see how fast I could do it, and then I played it through, uh, for a hundred percent completion run. Okay. Um, and now I'm playing through on hard mode. So by the yeah. end of this week, I will have beaten it four times. Um,
0: nice.
1: This game is phenomenal. I think it. It's probably the best switch game to be released since um breath of the wild i just i I love this game so so much and i think part of that is because it it took me by surprise i didn't love samus returns i wasn't like super stoked on the idea of mercury steam developing a new original metroid game um even the first couple hours that i was playing metroid dread i was like i don't i don't know if i love this
0: yeah but
1: It was about halfway through the game. I'll tell you exactly when it was. There's a run in the game where you get the various suit, the morph ball, you fight Kraid, and then you get the morph ball bombs. I think that's the right order within like 90 minutes, right? You do all Mm -hmm. of this within like an hour and a half and playing that, that sequence, like through those, those objectives coming out of that sequence, I was like, okay, I love this game. Like this is by far my game of the year. Like I, yeah, I've just been obsessed with it. And, um, it's a game that because you can beat it so quickly, like now speedrunners are beating it in under an hour, which is just Whoa, absolutely insane. Wow. So just it.
2: Yeah, all the speedrunners love this game. They're yeah. all shifting over to Metroid Dread. It's quite amazing, actually. It's, it
1: is a game that I will on a Thursday night or something where I'm like, I don't know what I'm gonna play. I am going to play I, you know, I can't I can't really choose. I'll fire this up and play through the whole game. Because now I can beat it in under three, under four hours. You know, so you can just you can blast through it in a night if you're do, if you're good at it you know
2: um right. amazing amazing game Back, i have a question yeah. for you what mm-hmm. does this game do that metroid samus returns doesn't
1: i think it just feels better pacing too um i think it's just better paced yeah exactly i think it's better paced i think that the mechanics that they explore in samus returns um are just implemented better here like the counter feels much better the exploration feels much, i think it's better level design um, in terms of the overall map. And I think the the thing that, that Samus Returns had working against it um, is Metroid 2. Um, I think Metroid 2 is a perfectly serviceable Metroid game, but it's a game based around doing the same thing however many times, 40 times, I think, right? Yeah. Like 41 <laughs> times. Um fighting the same bosses multiple times. So like by the time I got three quarters of the way through Samus Returns, I was like, I'm I'm burnt out on this. And it's, Metroid Dread yeah. solves some of that by being wholly unique throughout. So, Yeah, it's, it's,
3: it's struck, no, to me, like just super briefly, it's, I think, structure in Samus Returns is so, it's not as exploration-focused. Obviously, you explore a lot, but it is this kind of, you know, it's very boss-focused, find boss, beat the boss. and And this game is a little bit different. And then traversal is so different. Like the stop-and-shoot is replaced by just a game that is super fluid. Just the way mm-hmm. you run and slide and jump and the, the stuff you can do in this game, and everything's so smooth and feels so good. Um, this it, it, it is kind of incredible that this is the same developer, but I think Samus Returns had to happen for this game to be this good.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Samus so, Returns very much felt like Nintendo giving Mercury Steam a trial run on this yeah. franchise, right? Like, Samus Returns
0: like, had to walk so Metroid <laughs> Dread
2: could run, so Metroid Dread could uh-huh. slide, yeah. <laughs> Um, I think the 60 FPS makes all the difference. Oh my God. Um, yeah, so there good. aren't a ton of N- Nintendo Switch games that actually run in 60 FPS. So that's why it feels so absurdly fluid and feels so ridiculously good. And then combine that with the extremely tight controls around this time around. You're mm-hmm. right that it definitely enhances uh, Samus Returns controls. And then if you look at Samus Returns, one of the reasons I think it kind of falls, fails a little bit in being able to adapt Metroid 2 is that they're like, well, we got to meet these Metroid battles a lot more involved. Mm -hmm. Metroid 2, you can knock out those Metroids really fast, so it never got that repetitive, whereas in Metroid, Samus Returns, even a basic battle took a fair amount of effort, and you were like, oh, okay, like this is getting a little bit tiresome. So, Metroid Red does not have those issues. I would say that the only time it starts to get a little tiresome is maybe when you encounter the Emmys. I know that, like, are people who absolutely love them there are people who are like i don't know so much about the emmys i'm a little bit more in the latter camp i think they're fine they never got particularly irritating but after like the fifth or sixth emmy i was like okay i'm done with this <laughs> I, think it depends.
1: I think it depends on the emmy because there mm-hmm. are certain there are certain en- emmys both early and later in the game that don't bother me but then there are ones that like like the one that uh can see through walls mm, and can yeah, spot you yeah or like any of the, the two that you have to navigate through water. Like basically, if you get spotted, uh, you're going to get caught because you worst. can't move fast enough in the water before you have the gravity suit. Like the, those to me are the low points of the game in those Emmy M- encounters. But I will say like some of the Emmy encounters when you know the paths and you can just zip around them,
0: you just feel like a god playing, uh, like getting <laughs>
1: away from them, you know?
0: Yeah, I one thing lo- I noticed. I, I love them yeah yeah when i after I beat it and I went back immediately and started playing again that first Emmy encounter, I was able to dodge the uh the attack like with no effort whatsoever, whereas you know by the end it's it's impossible to right. dodge those attacks okay but, uh,
3: so yeah, what, what what is important to the Emmys? You have to take them seriously because like some of the later yes. Emmys aren't as stupid, and you can't just outrun them. And so you have to just go invisible. Like you you just and honestly, in some cases, you have to take damage in order to set, like they built that system in where you take damage to stay invisible. Uh, you know, yeah. for a reason, and that's a way to get around an Emmy. You gotta go into a little nook and cranny somewhere mm-hmm. as a morph ball, be invisible. The thing comes looking, gets out of the way, and that's your chance to get to the next nook. And while you're walking, you're rebuilding your energy and all that. Um, I love the Emmys for one reason, and that's the revenge factor. The mm. best and most memorable video game experiences are those where you run into a wall and something is hard and you can't figure it out. Or you have a puzzle that might be obscure. And then you figure it out and you feel like only you were able to do it this way. And I feel like when, when you get your your Omega blaster and you, it reminds you how the controls work, like a, after you kill that stupid eyeball thing, it reminds you how the <laughs> controls work to prime you for the Emmy takedown. And then you take down the Emmy, you got your revenge, you shoot the face shield off and you unleash this big blast. And it just goes, and it's such a great moment. It's yeah. like, heck yeah, now I can explore well, this done. area yeah. without this thing going <laughs> after me and all of that and being a pain in my neck. And I love those moments.
2: Well, I totally the- agree. The revenge factor is amazing, but I there almost every time I went into an Emmy space and that that soundtrack started and everything, I'd be like, oh, you know, it would <laughs> it wouldn't be like oh oh boy here we go. It'd be like oh man, because I'd be getting a vibe, I'd be getting into a flow yep. with Metroid Dread, and as I kind of worried when I was initially talking about this game for the preview, the Emmy zones felt like it took me out of that particular flow. And it was never as bad as I particularly worried about. And I totally agree that the revenge factor is great. But there was a point in the last third of the game, I was like, okay, we've done the Emmy thing. Like, let's drop the Emmy. Like, when they said all the Emmys have been deactivated, I was like, oh, great. That's perfect. And then they're like, (laughs) no, actually, they're back. And I'm like, oh, man. Yeah. (laughs) I think
1: that's what, I think that's what kind of, that's what kind of helped me through the game is like, they do give you a reprieve from the Emmys for about, an hour maybe two hours depending on how you're exploring you know like they when when um quiet robe shuts them down it is like okay now i have a little more time to actually if i want to renavigate through these areas and and you know like look through for secrets in the areas where these emmys might potentially be deactivated i can do that and then um i you know it was a little disappointing when they came back online but you only have like two to take out at that point point. and the last emmy because we're talking spoilers samus just takes out in the coolest way
2: it's just so cool it's
1: just so (laughs) awesome it's just like oh yeah now these are not a problem for me at all oh i
3: know i love the progression in this game is so wonderful it's like you remember half-life and like when you when you get the power to just toss people around all all powerful in this game once you have like your spin attack and your space jump and one of these stupid robot sentries that gave you so much trouble before you just spin jump through them and Mm. it's just (laughs) missiles so good (laughs) It's just like that game like it just starts moving, and you're such a badass, and then the two the two like uh soldiers come after you and it gets hard again right like yeah. it's, it's just i I thought this the little enemies too, like the clouds of little enemies, which obviously there aren't much of a challenge, but it just feels cool to encounter them and take them out, and it feels like the world is so alive no this is this is this is like. I would liken this to the rare moments when Nintendo finds a second party developer that really gets a franchise that's happened yeah. before with next level and Luigi's mansion it happened with App happened on. with happened. Yeah. With Minish Cap. It happened with retro and Metroid mm-hmm. and it happened with amusement vision and F zero. And we don't get that very often. And like, it, it, I I'm hoping they buy this studio and this come, this, you know the studio makes 2D games. They, can, they didn't do a good job with the Castlevania one. So put them on Metroid games and other 2D games that we haven't seen. It's funny, from is Nintendo. Mirror Fate was terrible. Yeah,
2: like Castlevania: Lords of Shadow, Mirror Fate. It was a yeah. very bad game. Yeah, <laughs> like
3: that, that. It didn't work there, but it worked here. And like this studio could do Kid Icarus and other games
0: really well. Oh my god, Ooh, that would be incredible. One
2: of the yeah, things. Yeah, if they that buy I, Mercury Steam, maybe they can actually put people in the credits. Yeah. Yeah. can't take yeah, right there not... look I mean the fact that they were kind of doing people dirty in the credits I think is really disappointing actually yep. Yep. I think so too I agree patch it
1: I also, I yeah, also wasn't anticipating to be as impressed with the narrative in this game as I was I think like yeah. Metroid you know we talked a little bit about it with Metroid Prime but I think the overall story has been pretty secondary with the exception of like I mean, even in fusion, you know, you're you're talking about like three or four major story beats throughout the course of the whole game. Yeah. Um and this game isn't dissimilar from that. I just feel like when the story beats are delivered to you, they're they're major, you know? And I think yeah. like there's there's a couple of moments in particular in this game that are some of the best Metroid moments of all time.
0: Well um, speak about them because uh yeah. this is a spoiler cast. I mean so there's a,
1: there's a midway point in the game where you meet this character Quiet Robe and he basically tells you the whole situation, right? Like, yeah. hey, you've been lured here by essentially like the, the overarching big bad, right? Like this person has been That's... trying to engineer Metroid, uh, uh, engineer Metroids as like a major force to take over the galaxy, right? Like he only reveres power and he has lured you here because he wants the Metroid DNA in your blood. And what does Samus do? Like the Metroid theme cues up She has one line in the whole game and she goes, don't worry, I'll take care of it. And it's like (laughs) such an amazing moment. Like literally the hair on the back of my neck stood up and it's just like, Oh my God. Like they do so much with her character with so little, you know, there's one line of dialogue, but there are little things like when she meets Kraid, she just immediately starts charging her gun. You know, that's just like, okay, here we go again. Or when she meets quiet robe, she turns around and she immediately like puts her, her blaster out to him. But then when she sees he's a friend, she kind of folds and is like, oh, thank God. You know, like there's just like such these little moments of characterization that are so good. Well,
0: and she speaks um, in the Chozo language, which is awesome.
1: Yeah, she speaks in the Chozo language cool. too. Yeah. Huh. yeah. Um, and Wait, then, of what? course, at the end, you know, when you find out that her her Metroid DNA has like essentially corrupted her, right? Like she has become a Metroid by the end of the game because her her fighting with uh, Raven Beak and his, his uh, minions has encouraged her DNA to mutate. And she just becomes this like insane bug version of Samus. Like it's yeah,
2: just amazing,
1: man. Like so
2: cool. She was fine. Okay. Yeah, she yeah. turned out nothing, you know. Yeah. Well,
3: yeah, little little uh, little Ditto had to come and rescue her from that right. state, obviously at the end. But yeah, it, uh, I, I love the I love the crab outfit. They're like green thorny, yeah. like crustacean looking Samus. I was really hoping that that would be the outfit I get to like play a little bit more with now and return oh, yeah. to the game with. But um, that was a cool moment. I I loved about the game that it didn't just recycle all the bosses and and do Ridley again and do Mother Brain again and all of that. So I like that it brought back enough nostalgia but didn't go overboard with it. I like that it had the ending sequence where you're escaping with a countdown and everything's blowing up. And you're like, mm-hmm. there was I felt genuine panic trying to figure out whether to use a spin attack or a bomb to blast my way through mm-hmm. things, and I'm like, I don't have time. Don't make me choose. <laughs> and, like,
1: and then, fortunately, they give you this Omega Blaster for yeah, the last, yeah, it just yeah.
3: yeah. through That's thing. so cool. Yeah. Yeah. The Omega Blaster is great. Sound of it, but then the the thing I really really love about this game were the kind of the quest for 100 percenting the missile and energy tanks and 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 bomb uh, bomb upgrades. Some of the puzzles are similar to the bosses, where you see like a you like speed booster blocks that you have to. Break by running through them. And you lo- you're like, there's no way to build up speed here. How do you do that? Right. And like, so there were some puzzles where I spent an hour trying to yep. figure out how to wall jump to maintain my, uh, my spark and all of that. And when you figured it out, it was just always so rewarding. And mm-hmm. some of the optional puzzles are like genuinely awesome and should, like, you have, to, you have to do them to get the full enjoyment out of this game.
0: Well, I would love to talk about that final boss because I know that it seems to have given everybody uh, a hard time, at least on the first playthrough. But I want to say how much I loved the fact that you could, well, you can't cheese that boss. That's what I thought I was going to do. If I could just make it through his first form with full energy tanks, then I'll be able to take enough of a beating to make it through the second form. Well, that wasn't true. You actually have to play the game mm-hmm. in the way that it wants you to play it you can't cheat you can't just take all the punishment you have to be good you have to avoid have to the counter. attacks you oh, have you have to, you have yeah. to counter yeah he, he does let, that yeah he
3: does that red spark you have to run in fast uh, get close yep. zoom out of the way you know jump over his head if you attacks you with spin attack so you have to use the full arsenal of things that you can use and then the, the crucial thing is he will attack you and you have to counter and you get your energy and your, your missiles back and all of that. And like that is core to the game. And people who were avoiding counters most of the game will be in for a bad surprise.
2: Well, Metroid yeah, I was... Dread is, but at the same time, Metroid Dread is quite, I, I would say, forgiving when it comes to its counters. So mm. there was rarely a time where I was going, oh, screw this. I can't get the timing right. This is ridiculous. Like most of the time, the Metroid drive is like close enough. You're fine. <laughs> okay, you
3: except it. except for Emmy counters. Except for the Emmys. Yeah. yeah. The Emmy counters, I mean,
2: yeah. it was funny. Like I wouldn't get those Emmy counters very often, but when I did, oh. I usually got it like three times in a row, and I'd be like, "Oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm good." It's funny how that works. Look at me. <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I'll say about Ravensbeak. I fought him so many times. Oh my first god. Time yeah. Finished the game. I I died so many times, but each time that I started that fight over. I learned something about his attack pattern. Mm-hmm. Each time it was like, oh, okay, if I actually shoot this black hole, I can get some health and missiles back. Oh, okay. If I duck during this attack, it'll provide me an opportunity to counter, right? Like, right. Oh, If I can, if I can get the rhythm correct, I can just jump around him while he's doing this
0: rain. Oh my shot. God. That and, was the worst you know, one for me. Yeah. Which one? There the ring NES'd one? In yeah,
2: that exactly. it has yeah. very set patterns, mm-hmm. but that you can learn. Yeah. But very unforgiving it would punish you harshly when you didn't do it but you can learn those patterns it wasn't screwing you over or anything
1: and so i i beat the game rolled credits turned off my switch and then was like actually i'm gonna do that again and i ended up doing (laughs) i ended up fighting him two more times that night like beating him on the first time first try because i knew the patterns but it just felt so good to feel that sense of accomplishment of like now I yeah. I, I feel like I know how to play this game at like a, a different level after that boss, right? It's
3: so it, and, it, like that's the most amazing yeah. thing how well it trains you. Like when Absolutely. you go back when when you go back back to Ocarina of Time uh, and you play the first dungeon and you meet Goma, you won't even take damage, right? It's like you're right. so used if you've played the game before. He falls from the sky. You go <laughs> from the ceiling. You hit him with your sword after he's stunned and like you really get it and it's a very simple puzzle. In this one, it is a puzzle but it's also skill and you have to mm-hmm. learn how to do the spin attack around him and then run and zoom around him again. You have to figure out that you destroy the sun with a super bomb in order right. to get your energy back. The lock on missiles for the black orb, all of that mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, I I played it on the airplane yesterday. I collected, I had collected everything. I went back to the boss. First try, no problem, breezed through it and I right. thought that was unsurmountable at first i love that feeling it's so good I'll do it in hard mode
0: yep did you did you uh, play with a uh, joy con or did you play a, with a Tor- Joy? Okay. first time pro
3: controller and then on the airplane obviously just handheld with the
2: oh, then, there's a <laughs> kinetic intensity to mm-hmm. that final boss battle where it really feels like a grudge match and yeah frankly i've played a lot of AAA games over the years and a lot of the time boss battles just aren't handled very well because they're just kind of in a cutscene. You're mm-hmm. just going through the motions a little bit to get through them. They're just an ex- a cool excuse to have a big set piece, and this one felt like an actual knockout, knockdown, dragout fight between yeah. Samus and Raven Speak, and it just works. Like it really kind of reminds me, maybe of like the the battle between Iron Man and Captain America at the end of Civil War, where <laughs> it's just. just yeah it's yeah.
1: great i think there's a it, couple of bosses that are like that i think that that raven's is like that i think that the experiment is like that i think that oh, the, i love that one the, the, the double, experiment's the, so
2: good oh my gosh the first Amazing. double
1: chozo battle where you have to fight two of the chozo robots feels yeah. like yeah. it feels like um like uh, sorry i was gonna
2: <laughs> it feels you take like out a, the experiment a, with a shine spark
1: no. <laughs> yeah you can do that but like the, that first double chozo battle feels like a, a, a smash brothers fight on speed right like you're just mm, so uh, difficult they're, they're pinning you in corners you have to jump around and you know like, god so many great boss fights and then of course the final boss has that moment of revenge too
3: where you get to unload <laughs> the omega cannon basically <laughs> right. right like I, yeah. it, it transforms uh, at, at the end he transforms and you just oh, like yeah. this beam and then so good When you're playing it for the first time, you're unsure what's going to happen. It's like, oh my god, is it over? And like, I I was genuinely nervous during that battle, finishing that battle, and thinking like they're going to get me again. Now it's gonna, it's gonna attack me like this. And then you're like, oh, thank god! And then it's like, like you have to escape, (laughs) and really nerve wracking ending, and uh, just great payoff for making it.
2: I played. You can see the, you can see the lessons that they learned from Super Metroid. Like Mm. when you get the power bomb. They're like, oh, you really like blowing up that glass tube in Super Metroid? Well, mm-hmm. guess what? You're going to get to do it a lot, and it's going to feel amazing every single time. Yep. Or when you're fighting the final bot, when you're fighting Raven's Beak, who's been transformed, you get the Omega Beam. It's like when you get the the beam at the end of Super Metroid and just completely ruin Mother mm-hmm. Brain with it. They're like, oh, these beats really worked in Super Metroid. Let's put them in Metroid Dread, but like expand them and make them even more impactful. And it works. It's yeah. well done.
1: Um. I played Metroid Fusion, I streamed Metroid Fusion leading into Dread, and that game ends with a double boss battle, right? Like you fight mm. you fight the SAX, and then you have to do like a, an escape run, and then you have to fight, while on a timer, you fight a, Met, a giant like Metroid Queen. And those two bosses back to back are so difficult, and it's from an age when there wasn't a save point in between those two bosses, and like mm. it just wiped me out. Like I, I died so many times trying to get through that. And so when, when Ravenbeak and Kraid merge at the end of Metroid Dread, I was like, oh, they're going to make me do two bosses again. Like after, <laughs> after I finally survived oh, no. this like brutal, <laughs> uh-huh. you know, gauntlet with Ravenbeak, now they're going to make me do another boss fight. So it was really rewarding to just unload this Omega Beam in his face, you know. Yeah. No. <laughs> did, so you, good.
3: did you guys play it on the small screen and on the OLED or just on TVs? No, only played yeah, it both, on TV actually. with a pro control. So I honestly think this is the best looking handheld game that they have it's so pretty on Agreed. the small screen it's almost like it was designed for 720p resolution and all and it just man it's gorgeous on the oled it's so
0: pretty just, i as I, I got the oled and i have played it in handheld mode for like five minutes
2: oh man I just feel like i like, know like, what a, what a yeah. jerk right it is and again that frame rate makes all the difference right. it mm-hmm. just it makes me think of like going from monster hunter world on um, the like whatever I was playing it on PS4 and then on the PC where I was playing at 60 FPS. And I was just like, wow, this game looks so much better just because of the frame rate enhancements. Yeah. And I would say the same is the case for Metroid Dread and it really stands out in handheld mode. It's yep. just silky smooth, super think- fluid. And then the, of course, if you're playing on the switch OLED, there's a lot of uh, color contrast mm-hmm. in the actual environments and the world building and everything. Mm-hmm. So the, it, the natural, like really deep blacks of an OLED screen work incredibly well on the switch OLED and the way, and again, it's art design, right? Over just graphical fidelity where you'll walk into a room and Samus is glowing and you can see the outlines Mm. of her. Right. And that looks phenomenal on an OLED screen. Mm. And then you light it all up and uh, yeah, no, it's, it's really well done.
1: The only thing that kept me from playing it handheld was like the, the Joy-Con, in, I I played it a little bit handheld and playing it on a Joy-Con just didn't feel as good. It it, did make my hands feel a little bit like crampy trying to to pull off the moves that I wanted to pull off, especially like trying to play like later game stuff um, in yeah. handheld mode. I played, I would say, 95% on a pro controller.
0: <laughs> yeah, I had flashbacks to playing on 3DS and how mm-hmm. hard it was to. Yeah, but I, I didn't actually. I think I, I, on the plane, I think I shook the seat of my
3: seat neighbor. <laughs> In that final bottle, I was, I was, yeah, but you were like, Look how cool it.
1: this is. Like, yeah.
0: <laughs> I was like, I was like nervous going, like, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have some bad news. I mean, Metroid Dread is wonderful, and I would love to talk about it forever, but we actually are over time. Sorry.
2: Oh. sorry. oh, no. I know. Well, if you haven't tried it yet, there's a demo out. Yeah, that's, that's great. true. That's That's right. Really great. News. Also, you've been totally spoiled. Yeah. If you're- yeah. Congratulations. Thanks for uh, hanging
0: in. when now you can go try the demo on your own. But yeah. Nice great. job, Buster. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um.
0: Anyway, yeah. Thank you, Zach, for uh, for joining us, for coming back, sitting in the froggy chair this Always week. A pleasure. That is. That's all the time we have. am sorry to say. You can follow us on Twitter at NBC Podcast. You can submit your questions to NBC at IGN.com or on the post on the NBC facebook page i want to also thank red on the ones and twos and logan behind the scenes most of all thanks to you for hanging out with us and remember this is important nvc the only place you can get the thing